What up, world? It's your past first point guard and trailblazers reporter, Mike Richmond. You are listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you got podcasts and also on YouTube. Thanks for making the show your first listen every single day, every single weekday, that is, coming at you Monday through Friday. Make it a part of your daily routine. Make it your first listen. Tell your friends to do the same. It's Locked On Blazers, your team every day. In today's show, we're talking about nothing happening on the Damian Lillard trade fronts. I want to talk about the youngest good teams in recent NBA history, plus some ideas for upside bigs the Blazers could sign in free agency because no matter what happens with the roster moving forward, they need to get bigger. That's, that is just, they're just still small after all these many moons. But let's start with the Damian Lillard trade nothingness. Um, I, I want to be, let me start with a little quick caveat before we dive into, into the nothingness for real. If you are worn out by the Damian Lillard trade stuff, I, I hear you. I hear you. I'm going to do my best to not talk about it on the show the rest of the week, but we're beginning Monday. You're listening to Monday, July 24th show. We're listening, beginning Monday with kind of like the latest update. And then if it's nothing, it's nothing. And we'll just kind of hold off on it. But like, if you are so tired of the Dame drama, if you're so tired of hearing Tyler Hero's name and just being like, I hate him. I hate the heat and I hate Tyler Hero. Like I hear you. Um, we, everyone deserves a little reprieve from this. So, uh, it's so do I. I don't know if I deserve anything, honestly. But um, let's let's power through this, and then if um, and then hopefully, you know, um, with with a little bit of positive positive vibes, we can talk about other things related to the Trailblazers that aren't Damian Lillard and his desire to play for the Miami Heat and what trade packages look like. But the latest news on the Dame news is that nothing's happening. Um, the reporting from several uh, reporters who cover the Miami Heat is that the 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 Blazers just like aren't. Either they haven't told Miami what they want, which I don't even believe. That's nonsense. The idea that they like those two, the two teams haven't talked or haven't talked through like a, uh, you know, a, some sort of surrogate is just like outrageous. <laughs> Obviously, they've spoken. Um, it's like that Joe Cronin hasn't told the Blazers what they want is wild to me. Um, or that from the reporting from Barry Jackson of the, of the Miami Herald is that like the Blazers are just sort of maybe, maybe not. Th- that motivated to trade Dame right now. And then Chris Haynes of Turner Sports and Bleacher Report reported the same thing on his podcast, hashtag this league uncut with Mark Steins, like that the Heat feel like the Blazers are just like not, they're not in deal mode. They're not, they're not interested in like actually coming to the table and hashing out a deal. And I mean, yeah, <laughs> they're probably not. And I, I, I honestly think um, the Blazers don't really have there is going to be a point, you know, uh, media day is October 2nd. There is going to be a point in late September if this is still not resolved. And here, I'm again, this is this is the end of July, July 24th show. If this isn't resolved by the end of September, there is a point closing in on the end of September when um, training camp's about to start and everyone's back in their markets and Damian Lillard is, you know... Back in Portland, and whether he's back in the facility or not, or whatever, and like still on the still on the roster, well, the, where, where the Blazers are going to have to look themselves in the mirror, the proverbial mirror, um, several mirrors, because it's like an organization, not a, one entity, but um, or several people making up an organization, not a single entity, but like they're going to have to look themselves in the mirror and decide, do they want to sort of talk about holdout situation with Dame? Do they want to do like a soft hostage situation where he plays, but clearly doesn't want to be there? Like, what do they want? What do they want? There is a moment in the end of September where the Blazers will have to face that reality. And I think that facing that reality as we get a little bit deeper, that could cause the Blazers to to, to act. But before then, what is the incentive for them to take like um, anything short of Miami's absolute best offer? 
very little, right? Like very little. Their leverage and the way that they can like continue to have leverage is just do nothing. So if you are rooting for them, and I think like if you're a Blazer fan, that this you likely are, to get the absolute best package that they possibly can. Patience is a virtue. There, like I said, there is a point where they have to figure out what they're comfortable with vis-a-vis Dame playing, not playing, being on the team, not being on the team. But that's five weeks from now, at least. Um, that's, I guess, uh, more like nine weeks from now, all of August and September, and then the last week, July. Like, a full 10 weeks of, of, of vacation time for the NBA's sacred August vacation time. Everyone's going to go on vacation, they'll come back, figure out a trade after that. But Portland has truly no rush, and their leverage is to not rush. That is the way they they create leverage here, because obviously Damian Lord's trade demand and his position with the organization has kind of boxed them into a corner. The way that they get out of the corner is they say, we love it here in the corner, and we're willing to stay. The the why is sort of pish posh they have the Blazers and the Heat like haven't negotiated or talked is because the Heat's best offer is clear. They can't do it. It's not like they can. The Heat can't magically produce six draft picks. Okay, it's like wait until the Heat up their best up their offer. The best version of a Heat offer is they unprotect the Oklahoma City pick. They so they can trade the Blazers a 2024 pick. The 2024 Heat pick is not even that appealing, but the Blazers are going to want it because you're just going to want stuff. 2024 Heat pick they're allowed to trade 2028. Allowed to trade 2030. That's three unprotected picks from Miami. They'd be allowed to give away swaps in the odd years in between those 2027 and 2029 because they'd owe OKC a pick there. Um, so three unprotected picks, the rights to swap picks in the future. That would mean the Blazers would get the better of the, whoever was in, in the, in the first round, either Miami or Portland. Um, so the Blazers would, no matter what, they would get the more favorable of the picks. And then you flip Tyler hero for something. And I think that's pretty obviously the holdup is the something that you can get for Tyler hero just isn't that appealing at the moment. And as you sort of get deeper into the season, transactions slow down closer, you know, get closer to the season. If you haven't found anybody now, are you going to find someone? Is someone going to pony up? And what does ponying up look like? And then blah, blah, blah. But the idea that the Heat are like, what the Heat are doing, if they haven't come to the table with their best offer, is saying, we don't think we have to offer their the best offer. There is a maximum level they could get to. And even the Heat's best offer is underwhelming. But if the Blazers find themselves in a position where the Heat's best offer is equal or better than anything else out there, they might have to take it. Like, that's the situation. Or face themselves, like, look in the mirror and decide to um, play even harder version of hardball. But I, I, I want to address this, and I'm, I'm not going to walk you through it, dear listener, but I will. I, w- I would just want to say this just sort of um, as, a, as, a, as a guiding light for you. Pay attention to who's reporting this time of year. All of the reporting seems to be coming from the Heat side and from the Damian Lillard camp. Because the Blazers don't have, they, there is nothing that the Blazers need to say in public for them to get leverage. What the Blazers need to do in public, like I said, is say nothing. Their stance is out there. It was laid out very clearly by Adrian Wojnarowski in a story that was titled something like, Joe Cronin's going to be patient with the biggest trade of his career or something like that. But he put freaking Joe Cronin in the headline of an ESPN story. Like he it's very clearly um, laying out Joe Cronin and the Blazers' approach to this about how they're going to be patient. About, and this was before Joe even said, if, if it takes months, it takes months. This is just it was very clearly the, the, the Blazers' sort of organizational stance with this stuff. Going to be patient, gonna, cannot take a bad deal, willing to willing to willing to wait to find a deal that works the reporting continuing to become from from 
the sort of the world that isn't connected to the Blazers closely is because the Heat are trying to gain sort of uh, keep keep the sort of the Blazers don't want to play ball narrative in the zeitgeist, right? Is that, is that that Portland is somehow the bad guy? When when as 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 reporting continues to come out over the next weeks and months, and as this drags on, pay attention to who is reporting and think about why they would report it. I think that um, I'm always surprised by the level of sort of media media literacy on the internet. And some people are saying like he's lying, he's just whole cloth making it up. No, no, <laughs> no. That reporter, whoever they might be, whom whomever you're mad at and saying this this person is lying. Why would they lie? They don't have sources. Their sources are coming from an angle. So consider why the sort of heat stuff keeps getting kicked up in the air. The heat angle keeps getting, that's what the dust keeps coming up from the truly nothing that is happening. Because the heat have something to gain by having it continue to sort of be at the forefront of people's um, folks talking about it. Because then it seems like the Blazers are actually the ones um, who are... I don't know, the bad guys, the the, the villains in the situation, because they're not even willing to negotiate. Um, just pay attention to that. Media literacy, um, some, of you, some of you will get it and it'll click for you and you'll always kind of see it and it'll be so obvious every single time that because that, um, reporters are just like increasingly it's easier to see in the, in the sort of media landscape. But um, if you feel like, why hasn't anyone reported from the, why doesn't anyone have the Blazers back? The Blazers are much better served by saying nothing and doing nothing and and pushing the heat. Like if the Blazers have this, um, you know, come to you know, look in the mirror moment um, when when they get to training camp, and that's what the Heat are hoping is they they look in the mirror and they say, "We do not want to have this messy ending with Dame. We just want to get him somewhere and, and like and and not have this mess." That's what the Heat are, are hope or banking on, right? Is that they don't have because Dame has said, "I only want to play one place," and the Blazers want to do right by him and like the pressure to do that, that the Heat say, we don't have to present our best offer. But the Heat's whole offseason is kind of b- baked into the idea that they're going to land Damian Lillard. Look at their freaking roster. Uh, they they are set up to land him, and they're going to be really good if they do. If they don't, they have some depth concerns, right? Um, so the there is a moment when, as things get closer to training camp for the Heat, whether they say, okay, we'll we will give our absolute best version. I guarantee the Heat haven't presented their absolute best version of that offer. In addition to not finding a home for Tyler Hero, it's like maybe they, they're holding out on saying, you, you know, you pick Nikola Jovic or Jaime Jaquez, or you can only have Jovic, you can't have Jaquez. And the Blazers are saying, give us both youngsters. Give us both youngsters, right? Like it's the best version, like the Heat have pressure to at some point say, here is our best offer. It's on the table take it or leave it and the Blazers will have to decide whether they want to take it or leave it but for now nothing happening and the news only coming seemingly coming from the Damian Lillard camp and the Miami side is good news for the Portland Trailblazers because it's just um their best weapon is patience their best path forward is I don't know if it's their best path forward that might be um that might that might be something different but their 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 best hope here to get the best version of a deal because they're very of uh, the Blazers are pretty pretty obviously um preparing a rebuild right in front of our faces like they're not being a, they're not building a competitive basketball team they're a team set up to trade their franchise icon and move forward and be young um like 
the the best way the best resolution for them is that they are patient and the offers whom whomever they might be um, if there is a obviously if there's a non heat offer out there go ahead and listen to that one but if it's only the heat offer the app you you don't you don't play ball until it's the absolute best ver- version of that offer and then you kind of decide what you want to do okay that's like a week's worth of Dame stuff that's twelve some twelve minutes ish on on Dame that's enough that's enough for the week uh, if something happens I will cover it because I'm a good soldier but um, let's all exhale collective exhale. <sighs> Okay, enough Dame. Let's talk about other stuff, including what's the last really good young team in the league? Well, it was just last year, but what about before that? Let's talk about the recent really good young basketball teams in, in this in this here NBA. But first, let me tell you about prize picks. It's daily fantasy made easy. During the NBA season, I play prize picks on the app, but you can play prizepicks.com and you can play it year stinking round. Right now, you can get action on the Women's World Cup. You can get action on the WNBA. You can get action on Major League Baseball games every day. And that action works like this. You pick between two and six players on every single entry, and then you go above or below the stats projections set by prize picks. Hits, strikeouts, walks, home runs, goals scored, uh, whatever it might be, points, rebounds, assists. If you're playing the WNBA, you go above or below the line. And if you win, you get your money fast and with safe and fast withdrawals super quickly. So why not go to prizepicks.com, download the app, and put in the promo code LOCKEDON when you sign up to get a 100% deposit match up to $100. That means you put in $100, they're giving you $100. You put in $50, they're giving you $50. So don't wait. Go to pricepix.com or download the app wherever you get mobile apps. And when you do, make sure you use that promo code locked on. All right. Let's let's talk young teams. Last year, the Oklahoma City Thunder were the youngest team in the NBA and they ended up coming just short of I mean they made the postseason, but they didn't make the the true the true playoffs. They were overachievers by pretty much every sense of it. And it's um you know, I think there's reason to be hopeful when you see a team that young and that you know be that successful in the league be like um you know, they in some ways like the play in tournament extends teams it's like oh yeah we're the 10th best team in the west it wouldn't be the same thing as it was and i think this has happened a couple times in recent history where it's like yeah you would have finished outside the playoffs in a normal year but the plane exists it gives you it gives you a, it gives you a puncher's chance we've seen the last, you know this season a couple play in teams you know made it to the conference finals and beyond it's it it is it is certainly um it's certainly doable right it's certainly it, it is certainly doable and 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 this year's OKC team you know they had an all first team all nba guard right like they had a they had an absolute star but it prompted a question i don't know if that prompted a question but i got a question from listener andy who asked about like what would it take like what are all the things that would have to fall in line for the blazers to make the playoffs and and i had a mailbag episode last week and i kind of just ignored this question cuz i didn't want to say andy come on dog Come on. If Damian Lord's not on the roster, this isn't a playoff team. Like, it's just too many good teams in the West. Um, I, but instead of, like, squashing Andy's dreams, and I think I just did that just in, like, a, the 30-second version as opposed to three and a half minutes in the mailbag episode, lockdownblazerspot at gmail.com if you want to send in a mailbag question. But I kind of looked up, I, or I kind of, I did look up the most recent, like, good young teams in the league and kind of, like, if the Blazers who are going to be very young, that the path that it takes... Uh, 
in in the year 2020, 2021, the Memphis Grizzlies finished with the ninth best record in the Western Conference. They won two playing games, including beating the Warriors on that little floater by jump stop floater by John Morant. Make the playoffs. They got the eighth seed. They end up losing to a to a darn good Jazz team in five games in the opening round. But they they made the playoffs in 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 the spring of 2021, and they became the youngest team in the league over in the past decade, in the prior decade, to make the playoffs. Incredibly young, incredibly young. Um, they they had just of you know you have 15 players in an NBA roster. They had six players that weren't on on rookie deals. Nine of their 15 roster players were on a rookie deal, either uh, you know first year, second year, third year, fourth year guys, and they only had one fourth year guy was Dylan Brooks at the time. Uh, they were really young. And you nail a couple draft picks and John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. and Desmond Bain. That's um, more than a couple. It's three. It's a few draft picks, I think, is the more the more correct parlance. Then you you can jump forward and get into the mix. So that year they finished eighth. The following year they finished with a third best record in the league. Um, you know, they 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 give the Warriors a like legitimate scare in the playoffs before Ja got hurt. And and um they were like, you know, they were a good again this year until sort of turmoil and injuries knock them out of of the playoffs like but they that that was the beginning of them being like oh this is one of the really good teams uh last year excuse me in the, in the 2022 playoffs they had an opportunity when they had the third best record in the league if they had made the finals they would have been the youngest team in NBA history to make the NBA finals and that's weighted by playing time uh that's the way to do it like young isn't just like youth <laughs> this is a funny Neil Olshay thing he used to always say that the Blazers, there was like two years in a row. He said the Blazers were the youngest team in the playoffs. Yeah, like if you count the back half of the roster, if you count Luis Montero, Neil, come on. Come on. But weighted by playing time is how you do it. Like among who's like big minute getters, the youngest team in the league. And then Memphis in 2022 had a chance to be the youngest team to ever make the NBA finals. More on that in a moment. But they were the the Grizzlies in the, in, 20, in 2021 when they made the playoffs. And again, this is like you nail draft picks, right? Nail draft picks. That's how you get there. Blazers look like they've nailed two straight draft picks. Steps one and two um, seemingly on their way. Scoot Henderson hasn't even played an NBA game yet. So um, that cart fully in front of the horse. But you, you, I, I'm a believer. I'm a believer in Scoot, for real. I think he's going to be very good. Uh, I saw him play 21 summer league minutes. That's, that's probably enough, right? Uh, but prior to 2021, the youngest team to make the playoffs in the NBA was the 2010-2011 Oklahoma City Thunder. That's in in the year 2011. That was year four Kevin Durant, year three Russell Westbrook, and year two James Harden. They make the playoffs. They make the Western Conference Finals that year in 2011, actually, and, and ended up losing to Dirk's Mavericks. They were really stinking good. The following year, they made the NBA Finals, and they broke up that trio because... I don't know, luxury tax, and maybe James Harden was um, not going to play nice. Seems like looking back that maybe it was James Harden's personality that caused them to trade him a little bit early. They should have run it back one more year, pretty obviously. Um, but again, the 09 draft was was um, was James Harden and Serge Ibaka. 08 is, 08 is Russell Westbrook. 2007 is Kevin Durant. I don't think any team in NBA history is going to draft three consecutive MVPs. They don't. It's like you just you're just not likely. Even if you're really stinking good at it, the chances that you draft 
MVPs, like they have to, first of all, they're going to have to be on different teams probably because by the time they won MVPs, they were separate except Kevin Durant was to, was with Russ, but then Russ after Katie left. But this is sort of the trend of how young teams do it, right? This is how you do it. You nail draft picks. Katie, Russ, Harden. Not that simple. Certainly not that simple. That's That, as I just laid out, is basically impossible but the Blazers had drafted Shaden Sharp it looks like he's going to be a very good player they drafted Scoot Henderson looks like he's going to be a very good player they're likely to be bad again this year I'm sorry listener Andy they're likely to be bad again this year you nail a third draft pick you can set yourself up maybe not like immediately the following season but year three you know year three Shaden year two year two um Scoot and and rookie year whoever decent and then the following year the final year of of Shaden's rookie deal still cheap year three of, of scoot that's usually guys take a jump between year two and year three the stars usually year three is the year they break out and and year two of who, whatever lottery pick they have this year i think there's a there is a path if you get it 100 percent right to like i don't know if you're going to be the friggin 2011 thunder but like there is a there the teams that have been most successful over the last 10 years when they've been like super young with a weighted average age under 25 you got to nail three draft picks. You have to absolutely nail. You basically have to draft three guys who are eventually going to command max money because they're great, as the Grizzlies have done. Youngest team to ever win a title by weighted average, the 1977 Portland Trailblazers. 24.99, the youngest NBA champion ever. Uh, just for context, Jeremy Grant, Yusuf Nurkic, they will be entering year 10, a decade in the league when, when we get there. Amphrey Simons, the second longest uh, the second like longest career of any player on the Blazers roster. Obviously, I'm not counting Dame here. He'll be entering year 12. Amphrey Simons, year 6. Uh, Matisse Thibel and Nazir Little will be entering their fifth NBA seasons. But basically, you got Jeremy, you got uh, Nurk, and then a big drop-off, and then youngsters even ant who just turned 24 in june is entering year six is young matisse labels 26 because he played longer in in um in college than is your little but the, you know entering entering their fifth nba seasons this is a very young roster they're likely to struggle because they're likely to struggle they got to get a little bit better they only have they don't have enough players under contract right now and they're too small how about some ideas for how they can get bigger in the third segment i got some join me there won't you Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. You are still listening to Locked On Blazers. I got some ideas for upside bigs the Blazers could take a swing at. Now I want to be clear. I do not. Um, I'm not like a big out of the NBA scout, right? Like I'm not watching your league closely. Um, I, I don't like. Um, I'm not a big. I'm not a big G League guy. I think I will become a moderate G League guy, low level, low level G League person. Um, I will pay attention to what the remix do this year. I don't think I'm gonna like. I'll attend some games for sure in person. I don't know if I'm gonna like. I might not be on it. This is gonna be locked on remix or whatever. But um, yeah, like I will certainly cover the team here, and it will be it'll be a part of um, of how I follow the. Blazers organization this year. I'll become a moderate G League person this year, but I'm not like a big out of the NBA scout. I watch a ton of NBA games. I barely watch college basketball if I'm keeping it a buck. Um, like I watch the NBA. That's what I have time for. I watch a boatload of it. I love it and I enjoy it. So there are going to be players that the Blazers sign who I just straight up don't know who played, you know, who who are in the G League or played in Europe or played in China or whatever it might be that I'm like, oh yeah, I'm going to get familiar with them via YouTube. But I have three names, three ideas of, of guys who I've like have seen play at least a smidgen of NBA basketball that I think would be 
I think would be uh, worth taking a flyer on. And the first one is the big man from the Sacramento Kings, uh, Namias Keita. He's a big Portuguese dude. He's been on a two-way contract the last two years. He is uh, the the Kings extended him the qualifying offer as a uh, as a two-way guy. They can bring him back for his final year as as a, as a two-way player. But they have centers. Uh, they have Sabonis, who they just gave a bunch of money to. They have Alex Land, and they signed. Uh, they signed Nerlens Noel to a partially guaranteed contract. Seems pretty unlikely that the Blazers, even on a minimum, if, that the Kings would carry a fourth center. Maybe they will. Maybe they like Keita, and they want they want him to get. The, they want they wouldn't want to lose him, and that's and the, the Blazers would have to offer him more than the minimum. The Blazers have tools to do that. If they choose to offer him more than that, they absolutely can. There's nothing stopping them. They have the friggin' full mid level. They could give him all the money in the world. Um, that's twelve million dollars. Not all the money in the world. That that money goes to Dame. Um, but Namias Kate is like he's he's big. Um, he's you know he's 24. He's not like super super skilled, and he's probably a he's probably like a fringy NBA rotation guy. But the Blazers just need size and someone with like some skills, some physicality, and the size to play the size and motor to play center. Like I think Kata is worth taking a flyer on. Um, you know you're not you're not talking. This is uh, he probably doesn't even have upside as an NBA starter, but I think like as a solid backup that you could go find and could grow into more because of his age and sort of his experience in the league. He just he hasn't played very much for the Kings. Um, I think I think Kata would be my of the sort of take a flyer on guys. I almost did an episode about him last week. I've been I've been I've been on the I've been on the Nemi hype. Um, he's. I think he's worth because of his, you know, he's he's long. He's like six ten, but long. Like, um, and and the physicality to like be a decent rebounder and 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 play a little bit of be a little bit of a rim protector. Like, I, I he's to me, he'd be my number one sort of like minimum flyer guy, youngster that maybe would work. My second, um, my second sort of take a flyer guy is 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 uh, Fiondu Kamengele. He played. He went to FSU, so I knew him. I knew him. Actually, he was drafted by the Clippers. I thought he was going to be good. Um, but, like, <laughs> he wasn't. He was not good. Um, and he's last last played for the Celtics or was always on the Celtics roster. He's, like, a good enough rebounder and a physical enough defender to be a very good G league type guy. But he's, like, not quite polished enough on any of those things to be a to be an NBA standout yet in his career. He's probably a two-way player again. These are like two-way players, and if the Blazers sign either of these guys to two-way players, I think it's worth a shot. Uh, Kata, you're not going to get on a two-way spot because he'll just go back to Sacramento, where he's already has as a, you know you'd have to give him a standard NBA contract to lure him away. Like literally, that's how the restricted free agency works. Um, Kevin Gelly is, I think, an intriguing upside defender, uh, about the same age, 25. Uh, you know, he's not like, you're not getting, he's not super young. And I think he's had enough time in the league to prove that he's like, not, he's again, like a fringy type guy, but the defense and the rebounding for a team that absolutely desperately needs rebounding. Kevin Gale is, is, um, is right up there for me again, some of this, and I'm just like putting my biases on the table. I thought he was going to be legitimately good coming out of college. Like not like right away, but I thought he was an NBA player and he hasn't been that yet. So I'm, so maybe I'm still, I'm squinting and seeing, and seeing the vision um, from, from three and a half years ago or whatever it might be. But Keita and Kevin Gale are my top two. And the last one is just like, what about a reunion? How about Olivier Saar? The Blazers signed him to a two-way contract. Then he broke his wrist and the Blazers ended up waving him and, and, um, 
and, and going with going with Ibubaji instead as a two way spot. And Sar went back to to Oklahoma City, and he's like, you know, he's again like fringy, probably like two way plus, slightly better than a two way type of like big who blocks shots and has a little bit of shooting range. He has definitely more offensive shooting range than the other two, uh, but he's not as big, like just sort of like frame wise. Kevin Kelly's big and he can really rebound. That appeals to me because the Blazers absolutely need that skill set. So how about Olivier Saar? How about a reunion with Olivier Saar? Why not? Um, those are three, Keita, Kevin Kelly, and Saar, three sort of upsidey swing guys you can take a, take a flyer on. No, you're not breaking the bank here. Um, and the Blazers, t- I, I would say typically Joe Cronin has gone with um, maybe high players with higher upside, like a bigger swing. So it was like, lo- you know, lower floor, higher ceiling types. These are these, you know, these all three of these gentlemen probably t- tap out as like a good third center in the NBA. Maybe if it all breaks right, maybe Kato is like a, a really good backup. Maybe Kevin Gelly is a really good backup eventually. But like th- that's that's like a very high-end outcome for him. You're talking about the back half of a young roster, and you're talking about late into the season um, on taking swings on folks. Like, the name out there that you know, it's like they could go sign Bismack Biombo if they want a vets, and they could go sign Christian Wood for... I don't know why they would do that, but they could. They could go. They could offer Christian Wood the mid-level exception. Sure, uh, that's a thing they could do. But to me, that doesn't make sense for what they want to do. Wood is just like... Um, He's had a lot of opportunities to prove he's a winning player. I'm not sure he can do that. I think he's like, the Mavs even had him in an interesting spot. as like a six-manny type, and it didn't work out there for him. Um, I was low on him last year. I'm even lower on him now. He's not my Huckleberry. If you're into it, two thumbs up. That was actually only one thumb up. I'll give you two thumbs up. Uh, but that's, you know, I'm talking not just like vets who you can you know, break the glass and they can help. The certainly Blazers could could go that route and sign like a Frank Kaminsky type. But I'm talking these are like dudes who haven't had opportunities like Kada and Kevin Gelly or have had opportunities but haven't seized them and are kind of just like, okay, now you're 25, you're you know, you're older, you've played a bunch of a G League minutes. Maybe you're ready to take that next step. And to me, that that has real intrigue because maybe that maybe a few years of minor league seasoning gets you to where you need to go. Okay. That is going to do it for today's show. Come back for tomorrow. We do these every weekday, Monday through Friday. So tell your friends about it. Roll it along here on Lockdown Blazers. Come back and join us for tomorrow's show. I appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.